0: On May 22nd, 1942, 600 black American troops stationed outside of Townsville, Australia, decided that they had had enough of the racial abuse hurled at them by their white commanders. And when they heard a rumor that a white commanding officer had murdered a black sergeant, they decided they would take matters into their own hands. This is Hidden History, and you're listening to Episode 80, Mutiny. Hidden History is always available on www.hiddenhistory.show, and if you like what I do, then subscribe to the show on Spotify, review it on Apple Podcasts, or follow the show on Twitter at HIDDNHistoryPod. Alright, so, a little forewarning that this is going to be a short episode. All the information on the Townsville Mutiny was intentionally suppressed by the United States government because, well, it made them look bad. So there's not a whole lot of sources or scholarship for me to work with here. Every article essentially says the exact same thing. But I will try my absolute best. There is always something for us to learn here. Okay, so to start off, we need to build off the, um, brief history of military segregation that I touched on in episode 78. Up until Executive Order 9981 desegregated the military on July 26, 1948, black soldiers were restricted in every possible way in terms of what roles they could serve, how far they could advance, and, of course, what units they could belong to. It is, of course, worth mentioning that even after the desegregation of the military, a lot of these restrictions remained in place, but just in an unwritten form. I talked about it in episode 78, Red Summer, but I will talk about it a little bit again here in case maybe this is your first foray into the world of hidden history. Though it may seem counterintuitive, joining the armed forces was actually in many ways a tactic for pursuing civil rights at home. Black servicemen often thought that if the architects of their suffering saw that they could, well, suffer in fighting for the United States, Uh, they would recognize their shared humanity and the inhumane cruelty of institutionalized racism at home. Now, there are a number of reasons why this, as a tactic, did not work, and they all lead back to the fact that the cruelty of the American system was not the result of a helpless misunderstanding or silly blunder. It isn't something that can be rectified through volunteerism, because the people who oversee that system will never have a come-to-Jesus moment where they realize they were wrong. And I don't say that to argue that people can't change. I say that to reinforce the fact that these people were not stupid. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they did so purposefully. No grand displays of valor were going to win over the hearts and minds of these people because they simply didn't care. The cruelty is the point. And so, let's jump forward. It's May 1942, and the tide of war in the Pacific has not yet turned The Battle of Midway, which changed the war in favor of the Allies, would not happen for another month. The Battle of the Coral Sea had wrapped up early in May, and bases along the Australian coast were integral to resupplying those Allied forces. So, as a result of this increase in need, the United States shipped over thousands of soldiers whose only job was to build bases and barracks and airfields and that kind of stuff. A pretty thankless position. About 600 of these soldiers were from the 96th Battalion of the Army Corps of Engineers. It was a black battalion, led by white commanding officers. Tensions immediately began to rise. On April 15th, members of the 96th Battalion, known as a Colored Division— Got into a fight in Townsville. In response, white soldiers with loaded guns and fixed bayonets rounded them up and marched them back to base. Uh, they were also banned from entering Townsville. Now, I can hardly imagine that response in reaction to a fight with white soldiers, which I mean, you know, white American soldiers in the 20th century were kind of infamous for starting fights wherever they went. But, regardless, Taunting and intense racial harassment continued from the commanding officers unabated. And then, when soldiers heard word that a black sergeant had been killed by a white commanding officer, they decided that they had had enough. On the night of May 22nd, 1942, soldiers from A and C Company in the 96th Battalion decided to mutiny turning their guns against the tents where the all-white officers were drinking. In the fighting that ensued, one man died and a number were seriously injured. The next morning, the Australian military was called in to quash the uprising, and it's currently unknown, or at least I certainly couldn't find anything, about what exactly happened to the members of the 96 that led the revolt. They essentially just disappeared from history. The Australian and United States government did a fantastically efficient job of covering it up, as it certainly would have been bad for morale if people around the world knew that racial conditions in the army were so bad that soldiers were openly rebelling. But one of, I think, the most interesting parts of this story, well, it's also very short, but it's about how the cover-up actually happened. There was this American journalist, you see, based in Australia named Robert Sherrod, and he wrote an extensive report about everything that went down in Townsville, but he knew he could never get it published thanks to the state of the wartime censor. But it just so happened that there was a young and very ambitious congressman passing through Australia at the behest of President Roosevelt. Sherrod thought that if he got this report in his hands, then the congressman could use his power to make sure everyone read it. The congressman in question was Lyndon Johnson, and so he meets Sherrod, who gives him the report, and then Johnson proceeds to rip off the front and back page and passes it off to f d r s own work. After that, he kept it in his personal files, where it was sealed in storage until his death on january twenty second, nineteen seventy three. It's also uh, worth mentioning that it's unknown if that original rumor that sparked the uprising about the murder of the black sergeant uh, it's unknown if that was a fact or a rumor in and of itself. But I suppose that doesn't really matter. So what lesson can we take from this? that LBJ was kind of an asshole. I mean, I'm kidding, of course. Well, he definitely was an asshole. He had a certain fondness for whipping it out when people least expected it. But that is not the point. In my opinion, there isn't a super cogent moral that we can extract out of this story other than the fact that racism is a cancer on every aspect of our society, which is uh, not a new idea if you've been listening to this show for the past few months. But anyway, I know this was definitely a shorter episode, part of that was just the severe lack of information available on this subject, and part of that was the fact that I simply could not summon the strength to write a 20-page script this week. So the end of this episode marks the end of Season 3. But don't panic, Season 4 is going to start with Episode 81 in the first week of August, I just need to take a little time to let my brain breathe. I really hope you've enjoyed the content that I have produced over the course of this season. Over the past year, Hidden History has gone from a relatively small show uh, to a podcast that's on the chart in eight countries, which is a pretty neat feeling, honestly. I am really looking forward to learning and growing with you all for many years to come. Thank you so much for listening. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.